Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. This is Rabbi Tuvia Kopstein, and in this episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Bennett Schwartz. Now, Bennett is a multi-talented guy. He is a real estate investor, and he educates about the world of real estate. He's also a coach, and he also has many years of experience in education and working with teenagers and helping them through various issues. And all of this experience enlightens everything he does. I was very impressed with Bennett in his, what we call menuchas nefesh, his calm and his presence that permeates throughout speaking with him. And I was also very impressed at his working, defining his goals in terms of where he wants to be in the near future, in terms of his professional life and how he's working towards those goals and how he's helping others define their goals and work towards them in a tangible way. We know you'll enjoy this episode of Our Tribe, the podcast. Thank you. Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast. I am Rabbi Tuvia Kopsty and your host, and I am pleased to welcome Bennett Schwartz from Philadelphia. Welcome, Bennett. Thank you, Tuvia, for having me. I'm uh, really, really excited, and uh, I can't wait to get started to try to add some value to your audience. Okay, excellent. So, Bennett, in, in doing my research on what you're doing professionally, yeah, I, I see there's three different tracks. But before we get into that, Let's get a little bit of your background. Like, can you tell us your story? What, where, where you're coming from, where you are now, and how you got into these? I guess tell us what the three tracks are, and then tell us how you got there. Yeah, sure. So I, I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Uh, if anybody knows Staten Island, you also know about it because there's always traffic on the expressway, or because of the garbage dump of New York, or was the old garbage dump of New York. So I grew up in Staten Island, New York. I went to JEC for high school, which is a modern Orthodox high school in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, run by Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Tights. Um, and then I went to Israel for two years. I ended up, uh, going to Landers after Israel. I graduated from uh, Landers slash Toro from there. And then, uh, I, I was involved in education for about, uh, 10 to 11 years. And now I am doing, uh, coaching, business coaching, and I'm helping individuals, uh, you know, try to excel and push them and to really help them strive to, you know, accomplish whatever result that they're trying to accomplish within their businesses. Uh-huh. And you're also doing real estate investing, correct? Yes, I'm also doing real estate investing on the side. I've been doing that for about five years now. Um, that's always been like a side gig, but it's also a passion of mine. So I'm very involved in, in that field as well. And it happens to be a lot of my clientele have to be within the real estate world, but it's not, you know, not, not only for them. Okay, very good. And now just to clarify, the, the work with students that you used to do is no longer, you're not, you're not doing that anymore? No, I, it's not official. You know, I, I think I'll always have, you know, a hand of it, a hand in it. Um, okay. Just because that's the type of person I am. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not doing it as a, as a full-time job now. So, you know, in the past, it's always been more involved, um, but now it's more, uh, more after school activities and, you know, just speaking, uh, speaking to old students of mine and stuff like that. So, uh, that that's really my involvement now. And then hopefully once things pick up with my business, you know, I'm, I'm, I have some ideas that I would like to start and do um, or get involved in other, you know, organizations to help out, but um, it'll probably always be part of my MO that, uh, you know, to, that I'll be able to, to help out others. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Okay. So I'd like, I'd like to, it sounds like when, when, if you have to ask, which is your passion is your passion 
doing individual coaching as your passion, real estate investment, what would you, what would you answer to that question? Yeah. So it, there's really an underlying theme between, I guess, both the coaching and the real estate. And what really drew me to the real estate at first was the lifestyle somebody could live. Um, you know, in, I think, I think in general, most people want to have a meaningful life. And if you could have a profession, if you go into a profession where you can really set up your, yourself and scale it in a way where you're actually able to live the lifestyle that you're looking to live. So to me, that was like a no-brainer. Um, I wasn't the, the doctor type. I am not the school type. I, I can't sit and like, it's ironic I'm teaching, but like, you know, I, I can't sit in the classroom necessarily and like study, you know, hours and hours on end. So for me, seeing that, you know, there's this a possibility within real estate where you can actually set up this, the right systems in place in order to be able to scale it. So then you're actually able to live that lifestyle. And then, you know, bringing in the coaching, coaching is also very flexible with your hours. So it actually go very hand in hand with the real estate because, you know, I'm doing, I'm sort of working around my own schedule and blocking off the time that I need to block off for that. And then I'm actually helping people live that type of lifestyle. So that idea of just wanting to find meaning in my own personal life and then live that meaning. Um, I, I don't want to wake up when I'm 80 years old, rocking on like a chair saying like, I wish I had more time with my family where I wish, you know, I was, uh, I was a better person. I wish I was able to do all these things that I really wanted to do. So both coaching and real estate has that underlying theme where it actually allows me to a support, help support my family, you know, pe- people in my community, um, you know, Jewish people at large, but then also be able to have that lifestyle personally that I, that I'm looking to do and looking to accomplish. And, you know, I, I got big plans hopefully coming up in the future. So uh, I got to try something myself up now to, to make sure I'm able to do those later on. Excellent. How many hours a day do you think is your ideal out number of hours to work? Yeah. So, uh, so especially now with all this like personal development and, and, and all these books that are coming out now. So there's a, a very cool book, the four hour work week, which I don't know if any of your listeners have listened to. Um, I think it was Tim Ferriss who wrote it and he talks about how technically you only need to be working four hours a day, um, on your profession. And if you do that, then you'll be able to be very successful, especially nowadays that the, all the, you know, of course, if you want to be a doctor, then you're going to have to do, you know, you're going to have to put in the time. If you're going to be a lawyer, you have to put in the time, but to at least strive for the ability. Okay. When I'm a doctor, once I finish my schooling, what's my schedule going to look like? And so many times people feel like they need to be putting in the work, but they don't realize that if they'd actually take a step back, then they'd be just as, as successful. Or if they're just be smarter the way they're working, you know, they could have the same success that they're actually looking to accomplish. And for me, I'm all about efficiency. So if I could be more efficient with my day and my productivity, then I'll be able to just be doing more within my life. Mm-hmm. Did you ever consider just focusing on one path of income and and limiting that to the ideal number of hours you want to work a day? Or is is it, are you really, am I understanding that you're doing both the coaching and the real estate in order to have a better... What I'm, I'm trying to say, in order to have a better hand in the industry of real estate investment so that you can coach people in real estate? Um, it's not necessarily because coaching is a little bit different than consulting. So I don't actually have to know what I'm doing within real estate to coach people within real estate. Um, it's just like a basic you know, g- general idea within coaching in general. Um, for me personally, I look at the, the, being a real estate guy, I look at like the coaching more like the cash flow of my life where, you know, I'm, you know, people are paying me every month and I'm, you know, I'm getting money as opposed to the real estate where that's actually the long-term wealth. Um, anybody who's been in real estate or anybody who's owned something most likely hasn't regretted owning it in the long term. So if I could sort of set myself up now within the real estate, even if I'm not necessarily getting all the benefits that I could be getting right now, and it's not as much. 
But I know in 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I'll be able to receive those benefits um, just by owning a property or the cash flow, whatever, the, all the different advantages. And I can, we can speak about that if you want, um, about real estate in general. Then you're, you're actually, I feel like I'm getting the best of both worlds. So I can actually get the cash flow now, even invest it into real estate if I can. And then throughout my time, you know, just marinate the real estate in order to get the, the benefits of that. Yeah, let's get into that because I really know nothing about real estate besides yeah, owning, sure. owning my house and almost having it paid for. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and so how do you get, how does a person get started in real estate? Yeah, so nowadays there's, there's so many different strategies to actually get started in real estate. And it really comes down, I guess in my coaching hat, it really comes down to what your goal is and why you're doing it. Um, you know, for me, when I first started getting started in real estate, it was because I wanted to be able to rely on real estate in order that if I wanted to, I could quit my job and I didn't have to work for anybody again. So for me, I wanted to make, I needed to like front load that work and, and that money. So the properties that I, were, I was looking at weren't even necessarily the smaller stuff. It had to be the bigger stuff because if I want to be able to live financially free within you know 18 months or two years or even a year, whatever your goal is, I want to have to do bigger stuff. I'm going to have to try to scale up higher as opposed to if I want to retire in 30 years from now, right? With the passive um, income coming from real estate, then I can actually go for the smaller things because maybe I'll just buy one property a year. That's a small property. And then within 30 years, you know, the mortgage is paid off the first property and then I'll be able to just refinance and just put the money back into another properties or really live off of that. So there are many different strategies to get started into real estate. But the biggest question you need to ask yourself is why are you doing it? And it's not just to make money because, okay, that, that's very like generic, but really pointing into what the, the, the main reason is that could be a great way to even start you know, finding that direction with what you're actually looking for. Mm -hmm. Can anyone get started in real estate if they don't have a, uh, you don't have the capital to, to begin with? Like somebody's yeah, coming, sure. somebody's coming out of uh, some college, let's say that some, some degree where they're, they're not really on a uh, professional track and they want, they just want to get to the point where I, I'm setting myself up for the future. Yeah. So how, 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 how to get started. Yeah, for sure. That, you first, for sure, should start educating yourself. And there's so, so many free things out there. Biggerpockets.com is a great platform. They have a podcast, they have books, they have everything, and they actually have people within their um, within their community that you can actually have questions to and really help out with. So that's a great place to actually start with um, educating yourself. But even if you're looking to get into real estate yourself, so there are actually for for first time homebuyers. I don't know if this is what you did when you bought your, bought your house, your personal house. But you could actually, a great strategy, it's called house hacking. I'll, I'll just explain it in a way where, you know, somebody who wants to buy a first property, they actually don't have to put down the normal 20 or 25% for the property. They could actually put down 3.5% or a little less than a little more, depending on the actual loan. Because it's the way the government's saying, we want people to buy houses. So we're actually going to step in and have these programs to allow first-time first home buyers to buy a property. But let's say I told you that house that the person bought was actually three or four units or two units in it. So it wasn't a single family house, but it was four units, which in real estate, if it's four units and less, it's all the same in terms of the types of loans you can get. It's all considered residential multifamily real estate. So if somebody's looking to get into real estate and they could buy, let's say, even a million dollar house for $35,000 because it's their first time house and they're living in one of the units and then they can rent out the other two or three then that money that they're actually bringing in could actually be paying their mortgage and they could be making money and they could be living for free. So the biggest expense that a lot of people can have can actually be, they could be living for free. 
So that's just a great way to, you know, to, 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 to like just get started. And then $35,000, you might be able to tell somebody, look, I'm doing this loan. I'm going to put it under my name. You know, I'll give you, you know, you make a deal with them. I'll give you X amount of cash. And then when I'm ready to move out, right, we'll still put in another rent over here and we'll make, make you more money based off of that. So that's just like one quick, you know, trick that a lot of people are just getting started out. You can get the experience. You could put down not so much money, even on a million dollar property, which is a lot. You know, but as long as the numbers are right and it makes sense, then you could do that. Anybody could really do that when they're first getting started. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so now in, in owning property, I imagine you have to deal with tenants on a regular basis. Right. Well, yeah. So, so with that also, it really depends on what you want to do. If, if you want to be a landlord, then you can. Um, on the other hand, nowadays, one of the biggest pieces of advice people give is when you're actually underwriting a property, which means you're actually going through the numbers to see if it makes sense or not, is you actually put in a fee, an expense for a management company to be managing it. Whether you're actually going to be using a management company or not, you, you put that fee in there because maybe now you might want to manage it, but maybe in 10 years from now, when you have different properties, you're not going to want to do it, but you don't want to you know, get caught not being able to have enough money to cover that. So therefore you want to put that expense in the actual, in, in the actual equation. So a, you could see if it makes sense and maybe you don't want to have to deal with like the, the, the leaky toilets at two o'clock in the morning, right? So you have this management company that you'll pay a certain percentage of the rent that they collect in order for them to have to deal with all those things. You are still going to have to pay for certain expenses that come up. So when something does break you, it's going to come out of your pocket, but they're going to be the ones in charge of that whole project and really the ones who are going to be the, um, working with it day to day. Is that what you do personally? So yeah, I, I like using management companies just because um, I don't want to have to deal with it. And for me personally, if I'm looking to scale my business, I don't want to waste my time doing you know the management aspect of it. Uh-huh. Very good. Okay. So is this how you, you talked about house hacking and how, how you how some people can get started. Is this how you personally got started? So it's not how I got started. I actually, um, we actually, my wife and I, when we were living in an apartment, we bought our first property, um, which, which is very exciting. It was a, a flip. So we, we flipped the property. Um, we then, whatever, we bought another property. Then we, you know, purchased our personal house. And while we were actually doing construction to our personal house, there was a, a, a three unit, like two blocks away that went for sale. And I tell my wife, I'm like, I think we should buy this and like move into that one. And then like, we'll sell our house, like just to do this house hacking strategy. Uh, but she, she wasn't feeling it. So we didn't do it, <laughs> but um, it was something that I was uh, really considering. And maybe if uh, we didn't purchase the house when we did, we would, we would have done it. Mm-hmm. And so that in general, a, um, a, a strategy for approaching real estate ownership would be that you you're best in the first property and then when that starts be, becoming profitable enough you can put aside cash and then you can go into the next one and, and eventually you're be able to do this yeah so some of the benefits about real estate investing especially let's say it's a strategy like this is that if you get an x amount of units then you'll be able to cover your expenses so mm-hmm. in the beginning though you might only be making let's say two or three hundred dollars a month per unit let's say which is solid um but when there are other ways that you can actually benefit from real estate. Like let's say you, somebody like I did with my first property, I flipped the house. So I bought it for, let's say, for example, I bought it for $50,000. I put in $20,000 then I sold it for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. So I'm making, let's say $30,000, you know, we want to have taxes and all that stuff, but let's say I'm making $30,000 on the deal. So technically I guess it's great. I walked away with $30,000 from the deal. However, I don't consider myself a real estate investor. 
I consider myself just in business in the real estate world because I'm not actually owning the real estate investment in that case. So where people really build their wealth is when they actually hold on to properties or when they try to, you know, increase their you know, the value over time and take their money and then put it back in. So someone who's just getting started actually could maybe want to do something like that where they want to flip something. So let's say they only have, you know, $30,000 and they can get a loan, whatever it is. And then after that first property, maybe they'll have $60,000, maybe $70,000, and then they'll have more capital to invest into the, the units, into the long-term real estate. So they're really depending on what a person's strategy is. Um, there's so many different ways you can get started, whether you have capital or you don't have capital. And especially nowadays, people are all looking for good deals. So if somebody's looking to get started and they could just and they have the time and they could do whatever they need to do to find a good property. And then they can find somebody like me or any other investor who's looking to invest. And you say, you know what, I have this deal. So, you know, would you be interested in investing with me? And we could come up with a deal. And they, they say that 20% of a deal is better than 0% of no, you know, of, of a, you know, of no deal. So we hundred percent of no, whatever, whatever the line is, you know? So like just being involved in it, especially in the beginning is going to be so beneficial and you, just putting in the time to work, you know, could be really helpful. Okay. Very good. So now your ideal situation where you are working, let's say you're going for the four hour workday. Um, what would you, what would you ideally like to do with the rest of your time? Go out with your family every day? Like what what are you aiming for? Yeah. So my goal is to be working three days a week. Um, so Monday through Wednesday, and then uh Thursday and Friday um having off or just doing do, doing the things that I'm more you know, I'm I'm more interested in. Um I, a recent project that I've been picking up, I've been picking up Safras, so scribing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hopefully you'll be able to write, you know, a Megillah, a Mezuzah. There's a, actually a crazy story with the Safer Torah that I have that I would like to fix. Um, so that's, uh, that's going to be fun. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. So I do have like my other hobbies that I'm looking to, to get into. Um, there's two books I'm working on right now that I would like to, to get moving ones. Hope they're both hopefully coming out the next you know few months. Um, and, uh, really just, I, I have a lot of different ideas that I'm looking to do. So I, I'm not worried. I won't be busy. Now you can't mention a crazy story and not tell us the crazy story. So let's hear it. Yeah, so there was a uh, there was a period in my life where I was actually managing a 369 unit apartment building, um, and the building is is owned by this uh, this Jewish company, and I was managing the, the property for them. And it was when they bought it, it was like it wasn't taken care of for like 20 years. So going into the, it was only like about 40 percent occupied, um, which means out of 369 units, there was like the half most of the place was empty. Um, and my job was to really bring it up to par and to, 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 you know, to, to really help it out. Um, and the only reason why I took the job actually was only because I really wanted to learn on the job. And I figured this is a great property if it's so messed up to actually learn on the job. So um, the building actually used to be owned by a, um, by the Jewish Federation, like before the previous owner even. So like 40 or 50 years ago. So there happened to actually be a, a synagogue in the actual, um, in the building back then. So rumor had it when they actually found, when they first, you know, bought the building, these new owners a couple of years ago, they actually found a Torah in the building, which I was like blown away. I thought that's crazy that they found the Torah. Um, but then a couple of weeks into, you know, into managing the property, actually, I walked into my office one morning and I saw this, Thing that looked like a Torah on my on, on a chair in the office. I was like, "What is?" What? I was like, "So good." I was like, "So confused." So I ran over, and it was this large Torah that was on my chair. And the veterans who are now cleaning out the place to like use for like a, you know a place that they can they can use, um, they found a Torah in one of the closets. 
um, that was, uh, that was just in, in the building. So they knew that I was Jewish and they said, Oh, that before we threw it out, we want to like, see if like you wanted it or not. So I was like blown away about what was going on. And the, you know, the, the coincidence of it is that there was a, a commercial space in the ba- in the basement also run by somebody, a Jewish owner and somebody, one of his employees was actually a, a sofa, a scribe. So I called him up and I said, you have to come upstairs. I found this Torah. You got to let me know what the deal is with it. So he, he said that it was puzzle and that it was going to need a lot of work. Um, and I told him, you know, one of my dreams is to really learn, you know, to scribe. And I, I, for me. Puzzle, puzzle means invalid as it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was invalid. Usable. Yeah, it was not usable. Right. It was, it was it was not usable because some of the words were scratched out and it really needed fixing. And it wasn't sometimes you have a tour that's invalid. But it was only it, it needs like a little bit of a touch up. This is like every column needs gonna, is going to need a lot of touch up. So the owners of the company whose Torah it now belonged to, they said that it wasn't worth it for them to actually fix the Torah because it was going to be too much money. Um, so what you once one usually does when they have a, a, a Torah in such bad condition is that they'll usually put it in, in um, they'll, they'll bury it. Um, they'll do like a ceremony and they'll actually bury the Torah. So um, I told them though, like if that's what they're planning on doing it, would they mind if I actually took it? So this scribe that, that week I found the Torah, it was crazy. That week I found the Torah, this scribe who worked in the basement said that he was starting a little group that Saturday night. Like he was starting that Saturday night, teaching people how to scribe. And I was like, this whole is crazy. Like the fact that I found it when I found it, he's starting right now, something I've always wanted to do. Like, I guess this is like, you know, a, a, a call from God to be like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta start doing this. So, um, we actually, you know, a, a few weeks ago, we actually finished all the letters and we're actually starting to, to work on our first, uh, first, uh, first documents. But, um, hopefully after I get comfortable enough, then I'm going to take a stab at the Torah and be able to fix it. And then I can say that I, you know, have, have a Torah, which is, would be really cool. You mean in a figurative sense, of course, you're not going to start the Torah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry. A very corny dad joke. Okay. Um, so Ben, so tell me, I, I'm interested in this also, this, yeah. um, you finished the letters, which means that you learned all of the relevant laws about how to, how to make the, the forms yeah. of the letters. Okay. Now, are you an artist also a physical artist, graphic or a graphic artist, or is this, why, why is this something that you think calls to you? Um, for me, it, it was very, for me, the reason why I really wanted to do it is because when my son, who turns 13, who's now four, but when he turns 13, I would have, I would have liked to write his tefillin that he's going to be wearing every single day. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's something, you know, that would be really cool for me to be able to write my son's, um, you know, tefillin that he's going to be wearing. And the fact that like, all I have to do is just put in the time and like learn it. That's something that, you know, would like, why, why not, why not put in the time? So, um, I didn't think I would be doing it yet. I thought maybe wait four or five years because I don't have to do it right now. Um, but because this opportunity really came up, uh, it's something that I, uh, you know, I had to take advantage of now. That's beautiful. So for the benefit of any listener who may not know what Ben is talking about, the, uh, tefillin are the phylacteries that, that Jewish Ben wear, uh, from bar mitzvah age and upward on the one on the arm and one on the head. And, uh, Inside of the tefillin are, 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 what do we call them? Scrolls? Scrolls. Yeah. Scrolls. And, and on these, on these scrolls, we have the words of the Shema and, and other, other sections of the Torah that deal with the mitzvah of actually wearing the tefillin. And what Bennett is saying is that he's, his four-year-old son will eventually need tefillin when he's closer to bar mitzvah age. And then he'll need someone to have 
He'll either need to buy the parshios, the, the, scra- the scrolls themselves, or if he really wants to do it himself, he wants to write them himself. And the, that's you know, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. You, ha- you should have a lot of success with that. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> okay, very good. So that's a, that's a side project that you want to have time for. Yeah. And anything else besides uh, just have, being there for your family? Um, yeah, I mean, being there for the family, staying staying healthy, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, especially nowadays, I think a lot of people um, poo-poo their, their health. So, you know, whether it's working out or, you know, going on runs or just eating properly, that's just something that's more consistently, but something that I'm, I'm focusing mm-hmm. on. And also my mindset. Uh, really working on myself is something that I find important um, that I want to be able to, you know, become a better person and just be the best version of myself uh, that I could be. So if I'm able to to have that extra time and, you know, the, the, the lack of pressure um, because I'm, I'm not working, you know, 12 hour days, that's something that I really want to do. Um, and then of course, just, just learning Torah in general, that's something that I, I, I do every single day. But if I could have two days a week where I could really focus on that and really be, you know, get closer to my creator to me, that's, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So if, if I can work, you know, know, in in the Torah, it says that you got to work six days and and rest one day. Um, But if I could try to rest, you know, three or four days and work three days, like, I think that'd be pretty good. It's not, it's not resting from uh, when you're learning Torah, you're investing your, your entire mental energy. Yeah. It might be even like more, (laughs) uh, more draining mentally, but uh, you know, if that's something that I could do and, and, and really show for my family, like this is what what I find important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of people out there might want to just, you know, I don't know, watch TV all day if they could. But to me, that's, uh, it it, it gets boring after, you know, too, too much. I've I've had that time in my life where, you know, I was, uh, I was doing that, but now I, I really see what, what type of person I want to become. And and if I'm going to want to be serious about it, then I got to really put in the time for that. Beautiful. Okay. So Bennett, how did you get into coaching? Yeah. So coaching, um, that, that's, that's my passion right now. Um, when I was in education for the, for the 10, 11 years, the part that I really loved about the education was the informal aspect of it. So it was really speaking to students, whether it was in the cafeteria or the gymnasium. Um, you know, I was the coach of my best, the basketball team in the school that I was working in. Um, so it's really that connection with the students, you know, in camp, whatever it is, that was like where I really found passion in teaching. Um, in terms of being a, the teacher in front of a classroom, it really never connected to me as much. I knew it was, it was important. Um, but for me personally, really connecting to the students was something that I found, you know, really important. So um, I, I find that I've been coaching for the last, you know, 11, 12 years, just because that's something that I was doing, you know, subconsciously or not knowing I was doing it. So when I started my coaching practice last year, it's something that was, it was actually a very easy transition because I'm really just helping people live the lives that they want to be living. Um, I, 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 I've been, I'm very interested in entrepreneurship and I've always been you know, interested in that. That's why I did the real estate stuff. So the fact that I should actually also be a coach and be my own boss and try to grow my own business and work on my social media and do all these things that I can really try to build myself up on is something that I found that is for me, it, it, it works. And if I can also help people while doing that, that's like, that's like the best mix of the boat. Wow. So did you, did you find it was, it's easier to do coaching than it is to, to help, to help students? Um, so when I'm dealing with like teenage boys and they don't want to be told what to do, it gets a little difficult. You got to get a little more creative. So, um, so when, with my coaching, I try working with people who I want to be working with, um, that I know we're both going to, you know, gain, I think anyone can benefit from a coach. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to live the lifestyle that I'm trying to live. So I'm not just going to take on any client. 
So it's more people that I, I feel connected with, maybe have a similar background to me or, um, you know, have similar challenges that I've been through um, mm-hmm. and really be able to work with the people that I want to work with. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm for me, more importantly, is the quality of life that I'm having. So um, I know there are coaches out there who will take, you know, 60 clients, let's say a week, which is like crazy. Um, and for me, like, I'm not looking to do that. I'm not, not looking to just busy myself, even if it's financially rewarding that way. Um, it's, it's not worth it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, is there a way to train yourself into coaching or did you just already have the skills from your other work with students? Yeah. So I actually have, a, I have a, co- I personally have a coach. I have two coaches, but one of my coaches actually has been training me for the past couple of months. So mm-hmm. he is the one who's been, you know, he, he has, you know, he's been successful. He's been a coach for a couple of years now and he sort of took me under his wing and he's been training me in terms of, you know, different strategies to sort of like a lot of the techniques I've been using, I've been using, but I didn't realize that it was like, Oh, this is an actual technique. So it's really more just formulating and more putting more systems in place. Um, and then once, you know, w- once I've been able to do that, you know, the, it, the coaching itself has been pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. What is, um, and the, the, is there a need for formal certification or to be a coach or just uh, if your so, client is comfortable with you, then they, yeah, they want to work with that's you? That's what I say. If, if they're, if they're comfortable with me, um, then that's great. If they're not comfortable with me, then that, that's great too. And I get it. Some people want to see a certification nowadays. I, I tell people you could buy one online for five bucks. So even if you get a certification, it, it, it could mean something. And there's some fortune 500 companies who they need to see a certification from specific company, you know, from specific programs. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to do that. And if I get big enough that I'm doing that, then I'm sure they're not going to care about my cert- certification. Uh-huh. Um, but um, I also want to explain to, I guess, just coaching in general. Um, I don't know if people know what coaching is and the differences between like really coaching and consulting, but for like a, a consultant, a, really quickly, a consultant is there to give answers. When somebody has a, an issue, um, whether it's in their business or whatever, they're trying to get consulting and a consultant is going to be there for them and sort of give them the, the roadmap of what they need to do. And the consultant is there to give them answers. A coach, on the other hand, is there to ask questions, right? My job as a coach, and I don't know, I'm sure as a teacher, you could relate, right? We believe that our clients or our students know what they need to be doing to get the results that they want. Right. And if they don't know what they're doing, they could YouTube it right nowadays. Like you can find out or speak to somebody who, what they need to do. But the biggest problem is, is that we a, don't have such a clear vision of what we're trying to do. Our strategy might not be great. And then actually being held accountable is not going to be great. Right. And, um, you know, if somebody wants to go to the gym and work out. So when somebody gets a trainer, right, that's very beneficial to them. Not only is the trainer going to teach them what to do, because at the end of the day, like you could, you could learn, you could learn what to do in the gym. You could ask somebody who's there, like, oh, how do we use this machine? But having somebody there that's going to hold you accountable and to push you and to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So then you're of course going to get the results. So having a coach is in your corner and really somebody there to help push you to do what you want to do. That is, for me, that is something so important because I, I personally have gained a tremendous amount from my coaches and, you know, even my, um, the rabbis that I've been close to over the years who have been coaching me unofficially, um, that, that's been something that's been so important to me that I know people can benefit from. So when people say, do I need a coach? Nobody needs a coach, but a lot of people want coaches to really help them step up their game in order to get from point A to point B a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. How's the coach different than a therapist? So, yeah, so therapy, I, I would say focuses more on the past of somebody. So they might go back to their childhood or they might go, you know, they're going through something that they, that, that you know, recently that they have to figure out and to like sort of like untangle everything that's going on in order to, to see where they are today. 
Um, I tell my clients, I care about your future, but not one, you know, your past, but I, I don't care necessarily, you know, to see you know, where, where we're going. I, I'm looking more forward facing. I'm trying to get you to the results that you're trying to get to, and I'm going to work with where you are today. So wherever that is, sometimes is there some overlap? Sometimes there is some overlap, but I'm not going back to, you know, it, it's my clients like, um, you know, history and to try to figure out like what happened in their life or what influences, you know, have happened. I'm more to take them where they are today, see where they want to go and try to narrow that gap. Ah, okay. And ideally somebody who works with the coach will always be working with the coach or will they be able to no. learn the strategies that they need to be successful from yeah. the coach? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it, it really depends on the person. Um, you could definitely learn the strategies and you could definitely figure out what you need to do. Sometimes it could be, I need a coach for three months to get me X, you know, to X in my business. So once you get to that, that place, then like you might not need the coach anymore. So um, it really depends on the person. A lot of times people will have a coach um, and then they maybe they want a different style coach, right? Because there's coaches that work more on the mindset of business, more so, you know, on the results of business. So really depends on what, like what area you're trying to focus on. Um, but once you have somebody in your corner, like a coach, like you'll, you're going to see the acceleration of like, just your life go so much quicker that a lot of times people will be like, I, I just, I just need it. Maybe I'll take a month off. Maybe I'll take two months off. But then, you know, a lot of times people will come back either to the same coach or to a different coach, just because they realize the benefit of really having somebody in your corner. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. not necessary that you need, you need it for like your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so now I wanted to ask like this, when uh, as a coach, when when you sit down with somebody, a client, and the client is is stating their goals, and uh, how do you get down to the bottom of what is holding them back and what really what do they need personally to to advance? Yeah, so it's really just asking the, the proper questions mm -hmm. and really giving the I would say one of the biggest things is giving space to the client to speak. They say in coaching, silence is like where all the magic happens. And so many times that you could be asked a question and then not, not say anything. And you can see within the client's brain, they're like, something's opening up, right? Like an example, a lot of people will give is like, if we look at each other right now on our zoom screens, right? So right now we both have a border around us, right? We have a border around us and, and that's all we think we're capable of everything within this border. But there are a lot of people, yeah, metaphorically, right? <laughs> a lot of people feel a lot of people don't realize, but they can actually break this border and be bigger than they are. So really helping your clients see the possibilities. I know with me, when I was in high school, I had such big ideas and big dreams. And I thought, no, like I could do it. I Can I do it? Can I not do it? And yet some people are being like, you're crazy. What are you thinking? And other people are like, no, you're not. And if I would have had a coach who was there really helping me push me to see that I can do it and really help me get there, then I would have been able to do such I believe such crazier things. And until only I figured out coaching like later on in my life, it would have, for me, it would have been so much beneficial, so beneficial to have that person in my, in my corner. So really asking the right questions and giving the client the space is, is, is a big part about it, but it's also, I'm not necessarily like, I'm not their friend also, like I'm their coach and I'm helping them get the results. So some of the questions I might be asking might make them feel uncomfortable. Like, why do you, why do you need, like one of my clients had this thing, he was trying to figure out, you know, where to invest or where to start investing. And he came over to me because I'm not sure if I could go over here. I'm not sure if I go over there. And I asked him like, does it really make a difference where you start? He's like, not really. I'm like, but like, are there people in both markets of, of real estate making money in both areas? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, so do you just need me to give you permission to do it? And he was like, 
I said, you know what, like, let's say I gave you permission to do either one of them. Like, would you be okay with that? And like, he, he had this like weight lifted off his shoulder. And I'm like, why do you think you need like permission from somebody else to make that decision for you? You know? And we started talking about it a little bit and then it came up in like other areas of his life where he was being indecisive. It's, he was waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. And now we know that about him. And I don't think he ever saw that about himself before that he was always waiting for somebody to tell him what to do as opposed to him taking the initiative. So now he has this new tool in his, in his back pocket. He knows, okay, when it is, when something, when a difficult decision comes up, right, I'm going to have to be the one to make the decision, you know, and it, it, and it could be, and after it was interesting because after we, we were speaking for like 10, 15 minutes, it came out that he told me like, without even thinking about it, he said, Oh, I'd rather invest in this market. I'm like, do you hear what you just said? And it came out that he came up with his answer himself and he was just nervous about investing in the other, whatever, whatever it was, but he came up with the answer himself. And that is where coaching is powerful. Like I didn't give him the answer. I was just asking the questions and he came out with the answer. And when he came up with the answer, my like, gosh, I should be investing in this area. He was like blown away with the fact, like, I just gave myself the answer. I don't, I didn't like need to make this like too complicated. Something we touched upon before, and I, I think you, I think you answered, but let me just clarify. Does it give you credibility with your clients that you're also in the business world and you're not just a coach? Um, I think, I think it gives me credibility. I, I think it's unnecessary. There was oh. one person I was actually speaking to um, a, a big, a big time business guy. He, he's a big deal. And he, he has like a lot of, a lot of followers. And he was talking to me one time and he said like he, he was considering working with me or not, but you know, I don't have the experience. I don't have like the 20 years experience within the business world to, to, to really, and that was what he was like feeling uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I told him like, at the end of the day, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not your consultant. I'm not giving you advice on what you need to do. I'm coaching you. Mm-hmm. So he like put me on the spot and he said, okay, so like, so help me out here. I, I have this problem in my business. What can you do? And literally within like eight minutes, I gave, like, he came up with an answer and he, he's like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I, I understand now, like what you're doing. And I kept pushing him. I'm like, no, no, let's get deeper. Let's, and he was like feeling a little uncomfortable. So like, I stopped, but he was, he was somebody who has seen success and was looking for somebody to, you know, it might make them feel better that, if, you know, that, that somebody was in business for 20 years, but I tell everybody that I speak to, I'm not consulting you. And if you're looking for a consultant, I'm not your person. And I one time had somebody call me up and say, oh, I'm looking for a coach. And it came out that they're looking for a consultant. I said, I can't help you. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to be a consultant. I'm looking to be a coach. So whether I have experience in this field or whether I don't, I need you to trust me that I'm going to help bring out whatever it is that you're looking to bring out. Mm-hmm. Do clients sometimes feel uh, afraid to open up? They don't want to make themselves vulnerable and, and, and yeah. be helped? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That That's definitely something I would say most times when people even reach out about coaching, um, it's because there's something there. There's something that's like they, they know is holding them back, whether they know it or not know it. Um, people who don't like to even reach out, they, they don't even think they need help. So if they don't need help, then the coaching is not going to work. So one of the biggest things, and you see, is I, I recently had a client who um, was very tough in the beginning. Like it was very hard to crack him. Um, but over like a few sessions, like I, I, I pointed something out and like, he opened up and like, he felt so relieved and he, he just felt such pressure off of his shoulders, um, that I would say with any profession that, or any person really, it, it doesn't have to be a coach. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It'd be a best friend, but the more vulnerable you are and the more open you are to actually just say your feelings is something that's extremely, um, 
rewarding internally and really builds you as a character. And like yesterday I was actually on the call with my coach and like, he called me out like a beast um, on something. And I, I didn't want to say it because I was so scared to say it. And he, he says, what are you like? He, whatever. He's pushing me like, what are you feeling? And it was like one of my biggest fears. And it was so scary. It was so scary to say, but when I said it, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's out there. And I just felt like this relief of just like pressure, like off of me. And it was, it was, it was, I don't know, it was, it was an incredible feeling that I, I didn't even know what it was originally. We spoke it out and, and it came out like what the actual fear was, but that's something that like, in order to become the best versions of ourselves, which I think we all want to be, we're going to have to go through the, that, that hard work, not just physically, but even mentally and working, really working on ourselves. Wow. Okay. Now, as, as somebody who grew up in with with a Torah life, you know, yeah. observant, Jewishly observant. What kind of insight do you think that gives you into your craft, both both in the real estate and in in the in the coaching? Yeah, so I, I would say I'm, you know, there are many benefits to to be learning Torah. So um, just the the fact that I have the, the the capability of just being able to sit down and like really just focus. Um, without the Judaic benefits of just being able to like really focus and um, structure what I'm, what I'm trying to to be doing and try to structure my business. I know in uh, Talmud, like there's so many different opinions and you really have to be so organized to really understand what's going on. So the fact that I've been doing that for X amount of years, I'm able to really see a bigger picture, really structure something, not just focus on something small, but really try to see what's going to be and try to see um, a more strategic picture in, in terms of that. Um, and I would say in, in Judaism also, there's this idea that you really have to like work on yourself as a person um, that we, we find all over, you know, Perky Avos ethics of our fathers is all about, you know, different mindset tools that somebody could use that you could really benefit off of and really working on, you know, your, yourself as a person and try to better yourself, not just for yourself, but for the people around you and the people that you can have an effect and to be able to have, to be able to have those relationships with, um, whether it's your family, your friends, your community, the, the Jewish people at large, the, the whole world at large, right? I don't think it's necessarily just, you know, the, the Jewish like people that we have to affect. It's our, it's our responsibility in, in the world at large to really make the differences that we can. And then the, the ultimate, like I said before, is that, that relationship with our creator, like that's at the end of the day, that's all he wants from us. So really being able to focus on that. And, and it's really cool to see how the world nowadays, there's this like whole movement of like personal development that people are really just working on themselves at being good people and helping other people out. And it's really incredible uh, to see that it's not just uh, a, a Jewish thing now, but it's really the, the world at large is really trying to work on themselves as individual beings and then by effect or affecting everybody around them. Wow. So are you saying that in general, because because Judaism as a whole, Torah as a whole is teaching us that we have to benefit the others. We're, we're recipients of God, of God's uh, loving kindness. So we want to pass that, pay it forward as they say nowadays. Is that, that that's that in general is is what you feel the most benefit is to your to your professional life or are or are there I'm asking I want to know are there specific tools that you learned in in your Torah study that you can put into play in your professional life? Um, for sure, I'm sure that for sure. I think I think everything we do has an effect on everything we do. So. Um, is there anything specifically that I would pull off hand that has an effect on 
Someone, sorry off. to interrupt you. I know you're thinking yeah. and silence is the, is that is all the magic, but is there, does there, is ever some time where somebody is stuck with a certain issue um, and, and you just know, you learn something that, that, ha- that sheds light on this issue? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say one of the biggest things that I, for me, I, I finally had like this big, uh, let me take a step back. To me, the biggest thing that anybody can do um, to really find meaning in their life is, um, is it's a two-step process. But number one is to be present in the moment and to really not worry about the future. Um, so many times people are so, they, they don't have control over their day because they're just worried about what's going to be. And really having the, the, the mindset of really being present in their day is something that's extremely powerful because we're only living right now. We're only living right now. This is the only moment we're living. And throughout, you know, learning everywhere, it, it always talks about this idea of trying to be present. Um, I know uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov talks about this a lot, this idea of just, you know, being there, um, you know, there's so many, so many different ideas about this idea of being present. And if somebody could really be present and really take advantage of the moments we have now, this doesn't mean we shouldn't prepare for ourselves. I like to say we have to prepare for our futures, but we shouldn't live for our futures. Like we should live for the present. We should live for now because we don't know what's going to happen later on. Um, but really, a, I think the first thing is being present. And then the second piece of the, the bigger puzzle, and this is like really something that takes a lot of work on, is being able to to sort of surrender to, to, to God in a way um, in terms of there's only so much we can actually control in life, right? COVID, nobody had control over Right. Nobody could see it. Nobody could do anything about it. And, and we couldn't do anything. Like, we couldn't do anything about it. So in terms of our, our effort and our mindset and our own personal work, with the, even the results that we get are not necessarily definite that we're going to get the results, even if we put in the time and the effort. So the, there's only so many things that we can do. So if we're living in the present and we understand, okay, God, if God's there for us and he's trying to be there for our best benefit and he really wants the best for us, and he's going to do whatever he has to do to make us step into that moment, then any next step that he puts in front of us, any opportunity that he puts in front of us is going to be the best thing for us, whether it's good or bad. And that's some, that's the hardest part because it's not always going to be good, or we don't always think it's going to be, you know, good um, or, or bad, whatever it is. But if we can really step into that moment and try to live in this, like, okay, like I really trust. And I'm not saying this is not easy. I'm not saying this takes like years, you know, months and years of like really work. But if you can live in this mindset of where it's just, you're, you're being present, but then you're living with this mindset of, okay, like I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm aware that there's other things going on and I'm going to see what opportunities come to me and really step into those opportunities to, in order to surrender myself. And by surrender, it sounds like, you know, I'm giving my life up. You're not, you're just like seeing what op- the, the abundant, the abundantness, abundantness, I don't know if that's a word even, but you know, you're abundance. stepping abundant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're stepping into that moment and you're really taking whatever it is that you have in front of you, because at the end of the day, that's all we have right now is that. And then hopefully we could see that. And if we could keep moving forward, and a lot of people get stuck, they stop at some point, but if we could keep moving forward, we'll be able to get through those times and we'll be able to get, you know, take advantage of whatever it is that we're looking to get, you know, take advantage of. Beautiful. It's a little deep, but it's just like a new, a new, uh, a new idea that I've been, uh, been, been thinking about. I like deep. I think uh, the audience appreciates deep as well. <laughs> I don't know who the audience will be, but. Right. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Thank you, Bennett. Is there anything else that you would want, you want to give over that I didn't ask you 
Um, yeah, so there are actually, two, I mentioned before a little bit, two books that I'm working on. So um, there's um, one's a Judaic book and one's a, one's a secular book. So I'm actually working on a Judaic book that I'm in, I'm in contract with Mosaic Press, uh, which is very exciting. It's going to be coming out hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Um, it's a book on, on Talmud, but it's all the famous stories of the, the Talmud. And it's actually going to, it has different, it's in English and Aramaic, so you'd be able to, to, to read it. But it's, um, it's, it's in English and it has different commentaries in English talking about the different famous stories that you might have heard. Like, um, you know, the you know, famous one is like a baby in utero and it gets, you know, we all get pinched over here. So really going to depth into that so we can actually learn the source and then we can actually get some like really cool commentary on know on the story so we'll, we'll also know what's commentary and what's the actual source so um that's a that's a project i have coming out within the next uh, few weeks and then also what's that what's that called bennett what's so it's, we're finalizing the title that's what <laughs> i actually have a meeting on sunday um but uh i'll, I'll definitely send it over to you when, when when we get that title and then i'm working on a another book book on personal development there's a lot of actually the stuff we spoke about today um, of people who are looking to get started in personal development and you know, see that there's more to life than necessarily what they've been living. So really um, have the, it's really more like a, a tips and techniques of, of really getting started in this journey um, that we, we know we all have life in order that we can actually be, you know, be the best versions of ourselves. Beautiful. Yeah. Now I, I just, I, I want to wish you a lot of success on both of those projects and everything you. you're doing. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm worried because I know that if you go to look up any self-help or you, if you go, yeah. people go to an actual physical bookstore, there's no end to the uh, titles yeah. that are out there. <laughs> How, do you have a, a way, maybe you have, maybe your coach is helping you. How are you going to get this out there and make, I'm sure your book is going to be the best one available. Yeah, no, it, it will be. It will be. Of course. Yeah. It will be. Um, no. So, so I, I mean, I'm speaking to a lot of people in terms of marketing and strategy um, just because at the end of the day, like I, I want to be able to help, you know, wh- whoever I can help, um, it was actually actually really fun writing the book and, and also. So I love talking about just the, the, that journey of writing a book, whether it's you know, this book or any other book. Um, that, that was really fun. So um, it, it's just been a really cool experience. And honestly, if my mom reads it and she's happy with it, I'm like, right. That's it'll, enough. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, <laughs> Diane, it'll be enough. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure once it comes out, I'll, uh, I'll try to do something, you know, post it you know, put it out big. Um, maybe we'll try to get, uh, you know, we'll try to be able to give out some free copies to some of your listeners to, uh, okay. you know, who, who, who reach out. Um, yeah, we, let's do that. Let's do the, the, the five people who reach out about this podcast. You know, um, you know, we could, uh, we could Again, pre-order. Yeah. Pre-order. Okay. Very nice. Not my first copy, but a first copy. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Okay. And uh, so, so Bennett, if people want to find you and you, you have a personal website, they can find you. Yeah. So it's, um, so for, you can find me on LinkedIn. I've been very active on LinkedIn. I actually started on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, so I have no followers. So that'll be really helpful if you could follow me on Instagram (laughs) at coaching with Bennett, um, at coaching with Bennett is a good place to follow me. And then two N's and two T's, right? Two N's, two T's, two E's, but they're not next together. Yeah. I get that. I get it. it. Okay. Um, and then my email, you could actually find me at Bennett at bwschwartz.com. Mm-hmm. And my website is bwschwartz.com also. So you can find me over there. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, Bennett, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom and your insights. And it's been, it's been really informative for, for me and I hope for a lot of people. 
yeah, this has been really fun and hopefully uh, I'll be able to help. And if, and if anybody wants to just reach out, if they have any questions about anything we spoke about, um, I tell people also, if they're interested in coaching and if I can't help them, or if I think, you know, that they want somebody else, or they just wanted my opinion on a specific coach. Um, I love to, I love to give my advice and just to try to be able to help out in that way. I'm, I'm here for the long run. So um, even if you don't use my services, like that's totally fine. I, I would love to be able to just help guide you in, in the right way. So. All you coaches know each other, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It seems like there's a big cabal, you know, there's a, yeah, yeah. I can tell. Okay. <laughs> Very good, Bennett. Thank you so much. All right. Amazing. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.